course, I want to throw a question at you, Ryan. Um, yep. Penitent Squire, is this a contender for Scythria or not? First of all, I ask the questions around here. All right. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> did, did I overstep my bounds? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is so rude. Um, no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 41. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. And we're finally going back to the best region. It's not up yeah. for debate. All right, not up for debate. This is a fact. <laughs> I am establishing it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, shoot, episode one, this is where it all started. We're finally getting back there before... Before we get to Noxus, <laughs> get to where? <laughs> I'm not aware of that region. They probably haven't released it yet. So, as always, you know, you can listen to us everywhere. Follow us on Twitter to keep up to date on episodes. That's the easiest way. And that's at podcore, Podcast Core. That's Podcast C O R. And you can send an email to podcastcore at gmail.com. Leave a like, follow, and a short review slash comment. We appreciate it greatly. And tell a friend to honor their duty and listen to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Ha oh, ha, duty. <laughs> State of the game. You're welcome. <laughs> State of the game. So, uh, as always, State of the game, we talk about what we've been playing. So, Real quick, I've been playing another gift from the Lord Jory himself. Uh, <laughs> it's to the point now where I'm just sitting there staring at my timeline, waiting for him to post something. <laughs> if it's even him, because I watch him stream and stuff like that, and then I'll see what he's playing. I'll be like, hey, Deckless, please, please, Deckless, please listen to me. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I forgot that we were ju just a straight up Jory podcast now. <laughs> Message so this is a Jory fan podcast. Jory podcast. <laughs> Probably doesn't even understand our podcast. <laughs> That's the great thing about it. But the uh, he hit he hit me with the Siver versus Zed, uh, not Siver versus Zed, but Siver and Zed mid range. So huh. usually more aggro focused decks. This is probably the first like mid rangey one. I guess no. A lot of them are kind of the beat down, rush down with some top end. Uh, and this one is no slouch. Uh, this one focuses on. Uh, Sivir's insane ability, which allows her to have a spell shield, sh shield and quick attack. Uh, that, along with Rune Runners, in there, um, you have, you know, some of the land uh, mark cards. We, you have the the two cost three one that creates a landmark, and then you use that to buff that one cost burst spell that gives you plus three plus one instead if you played a landmark. Uh, it's just those kind of synergies there, uh, and, and plays well against. Destroys control decks, right? Obviously, stone shaping is so freaking good for yeah. mid range decks because, yeah. like, it helps keep alive over pings, as well as just once you've upgraded it, plus three damage is <laughs> really good for when you need to start pushing. Exactly, and obviously, it plays the Sharima counter, uh, the four cost counter, uh, which is also good in a mid range deck that is playing essentially hex proof creatures. <laughs> so, uh yeah, it's 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 fun. I'm having a good time. It, it's it took a big learning curve, because um, when I initially started, I think I lost like ten games straight, and I was like, 
this is trash. He set me up. <laughs> Some bitch set me up. Jory Senpai, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but then I figured out the intricacies of what I should be doing because I should have been playing like, so the trick is you play the two cost, uh, the stasis card, obliterated, obliterated unit, put in stasis for a turn, right? Yeah, um, hour and then glass. bring it back in the next turn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you have a sivir, you can like attack with sivir or whatever, put her in a stasis if they try to interact with her spell shield, play the second sivir because now you no longer have a sivir in play so you can play the other one in your hand because her, Ricochet card is trash. And then you when she comes back, you have two Sivers. And it, especially after it's leveled up too. It's yeah. like the Sivers just giving to yep. other Sivers. Yep. It's gross. And and then the other thing is you could do it with Zed as well. So you flip Zed a lot in this deck, and if you can play two Zeds, you have four Zeds. <laughs> okay, like that the idea now the idea of having multiple zeds is like that's the first thing that you've said that's kind of like oh i kind of want to see this list now it's like yeah. the multiple zeds yeah so obviously with me playing a lot of shurima stuff i usually end up duplicating like tilly is so but multiple zeds sound like fun so so the last bit of grossness here because this is how much fun i'm having with this damn deck is that you can stone shaping a zed on their turn when they try to interact with it, then obliterate stasis him. And he comes back. And he comes back as an exact copy. Yep. And then you clone him, you play the next one. So now you, it's just like, it's sickening. Cause it's like, okay, I have to deal with four Zeds and one of them or two of them are completely buffed. I'm <laughs> sick to my stomach. <laughs> All right, Hedge, what are you playing? <laughs> uh, I. I I'll go ahead and say that th- uh, this last week I didn't play too much. So uh, I, when I was playing, as far as yeah. actually playing, it was still doing um, Sharima shenanigans as far as trying to restore the sun disc. But uh, <laughs> restore the sun disc. I now that like now that Targon like after this last patch, now that Targon kind of got pooped on, mm-hmm. I am starting to revisit my my old dragon deck, which was uh, Shivana with Soraka. Um, so, like, that's what I was playing earlier today, before we, we hopped on here. Okay. So, that's, pr- like, I might, I might keep messing around with it, because I also now want to try to see if I can fit uh, Jarvan into it, because since it is Ooh. since it is like sure it's a dragon deck but like it does have like the soraka elements of having stuff on board to heal mm-hmm. i don't do as much trading as some other decks so i feel like if i can squeeze jarvan into it then i can level up jarvan yeah so that sounds fun it, it i i'm having fun looking at it again yeah okay uh so that takes us into the topic of today's podcast the dragon prince this title is so easy. Like, <laughs> probably because we've said it constantly. When, when it writes itself, baby. I know, when it writes itself. Uh, we're talking about J4, Jarvan himself, all four J4, the king, the newly minted king. And we'll uh, get to that. My, my, I'm going to get tongue twisted if we keep this up. Oh, wait till we start having talk about his father and him in the same breath. <laughs> we'll be referring to them as the king, the prince, and then later the king, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But all, all things right. start at point A, and point A is the spell of the day, so. All right, so the spell um, is not 
as obvious as usual, but still pretty freaking obvious. Uh, we're going to be looking at Golden Aegis today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Golden Aegis is a four mana slow speed spell. Give an ally barrier this round and rally. Mm-hmm. All right. So the, the, first off, rally like that's that's as Demacian as you can get. Like there's so many cards in the Demacia region that just gives you the ability to rally. Uh, if you're not attacking multiple times, you're not playing a Demacia deck. Like you're just doing it wrong. Yeah. So fix it. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, Golden Aegis does have a nice little buffer over Relentless Pursuit because for that one extra mana, you are getting barrier. Um, the so the barrier is nice just because like you obviously can kind of you use most of the time you can use it to kind of control how um control how the board ends up looking at the end of the exchange uh and especially in Demacia like since they do have a lot of units with challenger you can usually control it but in this case barrier is really important because of the star of the day is being Jarvan you need your units to survive to level up Jarvan, and Barrier is going to help them survive. If they, if your opponent doesn't have a card to interact with the Barrier, it's going to survive. That's going to be a tick towards his level up, and that's good. That's what we want. Um, and the only reason we're talking about Golden Aegis today is because um, Cataclysm's flavor text does not say for Demacia on it. Like that's that was a mistake. All right, Riot, you need to fix that flavor text like this because like it was supposed to be Cataclysm. The flavor text was wrong. How dare you do that? All right, I I want to speak to whoever was in charge. Yeah, and 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 like we said, you know, as in the Art of War, uh, Sun Tzu said, uh, "Bubble up, rally, go again." Right? Isn't that? And then he said, "Demacia." I think it was in there. I I haven't. I think I lost in translation, you know, when something's written that long ago in Chinese, in a different language. Was, uh, was that Ming Dynasty? It's still too early for Ming Dynasty. It's too many syllables. It was probably Demacia. Probably, probably. But then that takes us to our uh, follower, which right. is a true follower. A true follower. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the Penitent Squire. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you're not too familiar with the card the penitent squire is a one mana two two when i'm summoned if you behold an elite mm-hmm. create a tattered banner in hand all right so uh, as as demasi and as rally is we have elites all right so it's hey. nice little elite synergy if you anyone listening out there that has trouble like you know, it's like, ah, I don't know what I want to be playing when I get into Runeterra. Like, you know, maybe you want to try out the game. Maybe you haven't played it yet. Maybe you just like listening to the stories, and that's why you're here. If you want to try out League, the Legends of Runeterra and have fun, just build an elite deck, put Bannerman in it, and you will win games. Like, it's nice, straightforward. Um, this is a card that can fit into that because it's a one mana, two, two. It's going to help you play on curve, which is what elite decks want to do. And... If you're creating the Tattered Banner um, in hand, uh, that is a one-mana burst speed spell. The next time you summon an ally this round, grant it Challenger. All right. The keywords there being grant. So the, the unit that you summon is going to have Challenger, period. It's not just for a turn or anything. 
And the other keyword there um, is challenger. We have talked a lot on this show, yeah. and we're going to continue talking about it today, that challenger is very, very nice. It's very, very important for a lot of earlier game strategies to control how your opponent blocks. And they, any card that gives challenger should at least have like some kind of... Um, it, have a point of contention into making a deck slot uh rest in peace on guard no one plays you i not even me anymore i'm sorry but <laughs> you know you at least have to consider like how nice giving your stuff challenger is um now the penitent squire is really cool it's specifically for our purposes because there's a story going on with penitent squire so if we open her up and look at her flavor text um only when she reached the city's walls did her legs finally give way. The dauntless vanguard, vanguard would carry her message to the king, and the king would save the prince. Thus would her wrong be righted, and her, oni, her honor preserved. And it's like, oh, man, what? What's going on there? Like, what? what? Okay, so why, why was she running to the walls? Why does the prince need saving? Yeah. We might get into that a little bit later. Maybe. Or we might just end the podcast. You I, never know. Catch us next week, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and then, of course, I want to throw a question at you, Ryan. Um, yep. Penitent Squire, is this a contender for Scythria or not? First of all, I ask the questions around here. All right. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> did, did I overstep my bounds? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is so rude. Um, no, uh, no. <laughs> All right, there you have it, folks. Cythria is, <laughs> is still best girl. Cythria is still best girl. Oh, we'll get to her in some episode. In some episode. All right, so, uh, and then, of course, um, ever since the Sharima patch, we still want to keep talking about some fun landmarks and... This is one that we didn't get to talk about when it first came out. So for the landmark for this week is going to be the Grand Plaza. So anyone that played when this card first got dropped, you probably have a horror story to go with it. Um, <laughs> but the Grand Plaza is a three mana landmark. When an ally is summoned to give it plus one plus zero in challenger this round. All right. And we talk about it all the time. On the show, giving Challenger and controlling how trades work is really, really good. And having a landmark so that you just get to do that on every single attack token. And again, we're playing in Demacia, so you're probably getting multiple attack tokens. And by probably, you should be. And if you're not, you're not playing Demacia. Um, <laughs> like, so then you've got Challenger on top of those multiple attack tokens. It's a big deal. That's probably the biggest reason this card did see a nerf. Um, the nerf uh, being when it first came out, it used to give plus one, plus one mm -hmm. instead of plus one, plus zero. Um, and it definitely, the amount of play dropped after it got nerfed. And I think that's more just card players being traditional gamers of, oh, it got nerfed. I'm never playing this card again. Um the card's still incredible. I play this in scouts all the time, and it's a bop. It's terrifying. Um, yeah, we it, it's we can't understand enough. You know how much the casuals of Runeterra love dumpies. 
And when one is lacking in the dump area and you increase that by any, that's a big value. <laughs> so we've noticed across the board, if you look at a lot of the buff cards or the cards that buff followers and challenge or and champions, sometimes when they nerf them, the first thing they do is pull the dumpy back uh, because of the influence that does have. So yep. no surprise at that. That's no surprise they went for the, the dumpy shot. Right yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, it's a good way to nerf cards. Like, you know, just take away yeah. a C from that thickness and, <laughs> and you bring it in line. Uh, but, you know, the, that's not what we like to talk about the most on the show. What we yeah. like to talk about the most is a story. Yeah. And Some as far as the here. Grand Plaza, it is a very, like, this is actually... Like a, all, a lot of the first landmarks that came out, which this is among them, mm -hmm. they have very large implications as far as the story because they are actual places within those regions. Um, so the flavor text on the Grand Plaza gives a good idea of like what happens in the Grand Plaza, which is uh, the flavor text being Tiana looked out over the assembly, assessing the gathered ranks. The only sound in the square was her banner snapping in the breeze. She gave a curt nod of approval, then lifted the banner with a shout. Who among you is ready to fight for Demacia? The resounding cry from all those assembled shook the very mountains. Um, which, I mean, first off, like it's a very military state nation, Demacia, so... Like the Grand Plaza being where a lot of the armies or different legions meet up totally makes sense. But more importantly, Tiana, right? It's the hey. angry woman herself, all right? Like the Tiana Crown Guard. The Karen like, of the League of Legends. The Karen universe. of the League of Legends. She wants to speak to your manager. And <laughs> like when we get to go deeper into a lot of the champion stories way further down the line, like Tiana is going to keep being brought up because especially like today, there is a good relationship between the crown guard family and the Royal family, because who does the crown guard guard? <laughs> it's a, it's a hard wait, puzzle. I know. Wait, wait, let me check my notes real quick. Let me check my notes. I need to, uh, need to check my notes. Just in case. Uh, I don't think I wrote that one down. The, no, yeah, Tiana, and we've mentioned her a bit in the past, in, our, in the past, in her first episode. So if you guys haven't listened to that one where we spoke, spoke about Garen and Lux, go check that out because we do talk about uh, Tiana's influence uh, mainly in Lux's life. <clears throat> so this takes us to the man himself, the prince, the king, J4, off the bench, shooting from half court. For Demacia. <laughs> He's on fire. <laughs> boom, shakalaka. Um, and boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. Um, no, so Jarvan, in reference to the game, very popular character when he came out. Very unique type of melee character when he came out. Uh, he, you know, Garen was always kind of a character people liked from a story standpoint, but didn't really play much of because of his simple mechanics. But Jarvan really shook things up with being very flexible. He could play him top. People were playing him mid early on. You could play him in the jungle. It, it was it was good fun when he came out until it was too much fun and people started to hate and they finally nerfed him and then he disappeared. But and he lives on forever in our memories. <laughs> that That is the League of Legends story for every new champion, by the I way. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> luckily, when they introduced him into League, he's not broken. I mean, we've talked about him in the patch episode we did. What? So he's a pretty balanced card, and he's, once again, unique. Uh, yeah. He's the first card that we'll he get to that can flash. Yeah. He didn't fall into the trap of 200 years? <laughs> 200 years. <laughs> 
So let's hop into it. So we start with J4's father being alive. So he's a prince for most of what we know uh, as J4's lore. Uh, but his father is Jarvan III. The whole line is named uh, Jarvan up to this point. He ends up marrying uh, Jarvan, the prince's mother, before he's born, obviously, <laughs> who is her name's Catherine, a woman who's liked in the political scene around uh she's not of direct royalty but she is definitely of status in Damasia and it's you know for love which is unique obviously when you look at these uh monarchy style situations in any fantasy base yeah. uh, but it also comes with the benefit of Jarvan III wasn't really accepted it was kind of on the fence he was in the middle uh for a lot of people in Damasia for his rule so marrying her got on a lot of people's good sides yeah, and so we give you, yeah. we do get to talk a lot about like the political marriages when we talk about Fiora and her yes. episode because like Fiora's not married because she <laughs> has no interest in these political marriages or in men. She's just <laughs> she is only interested in her sword. Yep, yep. Um, so he marries Catherine Jarvin soon after is born, but unfortunately she dies during during birth, which completely wipes out all the goodwill uh, when it comes to the marriage because, you know, it boosted him politically. But when she died with Jarvin's birth, the acceptance of Jarvin being the only heir uh, at this point kind of made people curious. And they're like, oh, no, this is just this is the fear we had about Jarvin the third. Like he had some control over it. Right. <laughs> he did this to Catherine. <laughs> Um, and he, but you know because there was love there because he did really uh, appreciate Catherine for more than just the value she brought uh, in marriage. He vowed to never marry again, and that didn't help the case because once again you're putting all you're resting all your laurels on this one child, not knowing how he will grow up, not knowing if he will be fit for the throne. Uh, so to facilitate that, uh, Jarvin King Jarvin put poured all his love and all his focus into his son. Um, he's very uh, open where it came to, okay, he got the best everything that Demacia could offer, right? So education, training, whatever it was, Prince Jarvin got it at a young age, uh, got all his father's attention. Uh, there was no competing there. And then his father even trusted his, you know, agent, his right-hand man, uh, Xin Zhao, which we don't have in the game yet. You know him from Leo Legends. Uh, but the importance of Xin Zhao is that he was like a military genius from Ionia. So his heritage is he's Ionian. And bringing that over, he's able to not only teach Prince Jarvin uh, and keep up here, because obviously I'm bouncing back between the king and the prince. Uh, <laughs> prince <laughs> Jarvin, 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 Jarvin. He's not only able to teach the prince the Valoran history, but also politics and spiritual things. Right. He's able to teach him spiritual philosophy and unique arts of war that don't directly align with what Damasia is known for. Yeah. Uh, which is unique, right? A lot of people don't I, get that kind of education. Yeah, you, you know, it's like the the idea of like a spiritual balance and yeah. it, for, coming from a nation that is a little <laughs> bit more open to magic compared to Damasia, the nation that is 100% against it. So, America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hot takes this week. Hot takes. We always have them here on the Casuals of Terror podcast. So after, you know, young age growing up with this kind of influence, he goes on to combat training when he gets a little bit older. And that's where he meets Garen. And we talk about that in the Garen episode about how they have this like 
it's a loving rivalry, right? It's it's they're rivals, but they're also good friends because they understand each other. Uh, Garen is more, you know, brash and forward, and you know, just Captain America. Where uh, Jarvan is more tactical. You can think of it kind of like in our Renekton episode, how Renekton is with his brother, right? With Nasus, yeah. uh, not so much skewed that that extreme since the, they're both military trained here. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's and- kind of a good comparison. And they also bonded not only just because of the fact that they had similar backgrounds, but also yeah. because at the time when they are joining the military, they're both really young yeah. uh, by Demacian standards, but it's because of their background that they're both joining. So they're really the only ones there of their age. So yes. they they were able to bond because it's like, oh, you're stuck here too? <laughs> All right, besties now. Yeah, that's actually a great point. So as they get older, so now we're getting into, you know, late teens, right? So 18, 17, in that range. Uh, he comes of age, and his father awards him a rank of general, something you've seen in monarchies where even if they don't participate directly in the military, they get a military rank. Uh, but he wanted to prove his, himself worthy of that rank, especially, and it's because of Garen, right? Like, Garen was a big influence of that because he saw what Garen was doing with his rank and how much his rank mattered to his family. Um, he didn't want it to just be given without anything expected of him. Uh, but he got a little bit too overzealous to start, <laughs> Just, just a little bit, just, just a tad, just, just the slightest bit. You know, just went like, okay, let's take a slice off this cake and ordered another cake before going for the slice. Like this isn't even like, oh, you took too big of a bite. Like he, he ordered another meal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, without his father's blessing, he assembles a, a, a sizable army and takes them beyond the Argent Mountains. Uh, Symbolically, because this is where his father, his or his great grandfather, so Jarvan the first, fell to Noxians at the beginning of the war. Remember, this war's running generations. Uh, it's kind of this ongoing thing. Uh, and once once we actually talk about Noxus, you'll, you'll know why. But <laughs> this is not the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We got him again, boys. We, we've got at least like one Noxus fan in yeah. this listening to this. Just going <laughs> like those those casuals. When we drop to ten listeners, we know why, right? <laughs> those filthy casuals. So, as they're moving to this region, and I believe it's south. I think they're moving south. Is how this works, um, map wise. Uh, I, I want to agree, but I'm yeah. not sure. Don't don't quote me on that. But they win battle after battle. So they're winning, but there's this overconfidence with these wins one after other. Because remember, this is Jarvin's first big trek outside the city for battles. Uh, so they keep going deeper and deeper into Noxian territory, uh, mainly to this point called the Gates of Mourning, which is a newly conquered territory uh, for Noxus. So if you've known a, if you know anything about war, there's two things you do, right? Uh, once again, going back to the art of war, uh, Sun Tzu. Uh, <laughs> yes, you, uh, Sin Zhao's art of war. Yeah, Sin Zhao's Hetch only has heat. He only comes with heat. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you dig ditches, trenches are king, and you flank when you have the opportunity to. Because it is a great strategy to completely disrupt the flow of reinforcements, etc. So... Because they're so far away from Demasi at this point, and you've had these battles leading up to this point, so soldiers are tired, whatever, they get flanked, and 
that's not good. And instead of surrendering, they immediately decide, Jarvan immediately decides, okay, we're going to flee into the forest areas around this, this region. Uh, and this kind of leads back to a card Hedge talked about, Pennant uh, Squire, because yes. they had to flee, which means they broke up into pieces. And if you know anything about war, fleeing rather than surrendering is kind of a dishonoring yeah, there's a difference between a retreat and a route. Yeah. Um, and this is in this case of Jarvan, this is a route. This is yeah. everyone dropping their shields, dropping their weapons, running off with their hands in the air, screaming tails between their legs. It is not organized. A retreat is organized. You yes. are still with your unit. You are still together. You're still in formation. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is a route. This is ugly. <laughs> So after this point, they're in the forest, they are hounded. So that means like Noxians are using hounds to find people and to track people down individually. And unfortunately, and we even have a card for that now, right? We have the tracker herself. Um, but you, they, they are able to find Jarvan by hitting him with an arrow. It's a wounding blow. He gets downed. And as he's kind of going in and out of consciousness, he finally loses consciousness. But then he wakes up. At Renwall. And Shivana's there. <laughs> the best love story of all of the League of Legends <laughs> right here is Jarvan and Shivana, baby. <laughs> Jarvan and Shivana um, sitting in a tree. Yeah. And and that this especially at the point at Renwall, we do get to talk a lot about that in Shivana's episode. Because yep. the Shivana and Jarvan stories are very much intertwined at this point. Yep, yep. So yeah, so he's there and he's, you know, being healed. So that's he's thankful thankful there. Obviously he thanks Shivana. Uh but that's not the end of it. And we talk like Hedge mentioned, we talk about that in the Shivana episode on what happens while that Renwall Renwall, but soon he does return home and with her in tow. And with a victory on his hands. I mean, it's not a clean victory, but remember there were many, many battles up to that point. So he did push back a lot of forces, even though he got overzealous and paid a hefty price for it uh, in lives of soldiers. And the victory in question here, as far as just uh, going back to what led to this. uh, So big spoiler for the Shivana episode. If you haven't listened to that, stop listening to me right now. Go listen to it before I spoil it. All right. Okay. Now you're back. Now you've listened (laughs) to it. Excellent. So the victory here is that Jarvan to repay Shivana helps her chase uh, helps her fight her pursuer, uh, the dragon Yiva, and they defeat Yiva. Yiva. So he goes back with the bare remnants of his army, like the survivors, yeah. with a dragon head. An elemental dragon head. <laughs> with an elemental dragon head and with a half human, half dragon with him. Everyone's kind of, and again, Demacia is, you know, they're very kind. Uh, to magic beings. So <laughs> there's a lot of raised eyebrows upon this return of like, hey, you left with an army to fight Noxians and you yeah. come back with a dragon lady and a dragon head and like no one of your army. What happened? <laughs> we need to know more. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like we mentioned, when he, when he gets back, it turns into Game of Thrones again. There's a lot of politics involved. So him coming back in this situation, like Hetch mentioned, uh, this doesn't 
it's not handled well because he's been gone for a while. So this is where the mage seekers have been gaining power and influence in the city. And there's been this movement of oppression against mages and it's become, and there's always been a weariness of them, but it's become harsh, right? To the point where they're jailing folks, um, random, essentially a witch hunt at this point. Uh, good old Salem witch trials, right? Yes. And that's not helping his case or his father's case when it comes to ruling uh, Damasia. So, you know, the prosecutions continue, uh, but this leads, like it does in most history things, to a rebellion and an uprising of mages that attack the city, the, the, the city center. Uh, and this isn't good because this results, unfortunately, in King Jarvan III's death, uh, which once again, politically does not help. <laughs> yeah. And when, when we can, I like, the, this is one of the things that's the most exciting for me as far as getting past like the initial champion stories, because yeah. the rebellion of the mages is in Demacia is really, really stinking cool. Yeah. Like there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of mixed emotions for characters mm -hmm. uh you know shout out to the actual best girl lux and her episode yep. you can give that a listen uh and then like it also involves a lot of characters that we haven't gotten to talk about yet like um like silas and wow. um like it's 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 awesome it's awesome it's so like, but jarvin like jarvin you need that foundation to understand like what's happening yeah. in demacia upon jarvin the force return with shivana yeah so you know this thrust so remember jarvin's coming back from his first major battle and he's immediately now thrust into being a king right a king with opposition like his father so there, there's no progress made there really when you look at it. it's still even now he's still trying to figure out a way to push forward and because of this mage attack Unfortunately, this hardens his stance on mages and not only hardens his stance, but help, uh, convinces him to push Tiana Crownguard herself into his main council. Uh, and if you listen to the episode, uh, Lux's episode, we talk about her views on mages. There's a reason we've been calling her Karen or angry woman. <laughs> There's well, a reason. Yeah, yeah. Karen Crownguard. You, you don't want to mess with her, okay? Uh, and then the other part about that is her her nephew, Garen, uh, also does not have positive views on mages. And that's just, so you now have Jarvan as king with two main people. So you have Garen leading the Dauntless Crownguard, or the, the Dauntless Van Vanguard, sorry, and Tiana as his counselor, his main counsel. And Shivana is there still, but she's removed because she's at Renwall now leading the dragon guard so she's not by his side even though she is serving uh Damasia now uh and he's beginning his duty as the new king of Damasia so yeah it's a long story it's a good story you know what Hetch mentioned is there's depth here when it comes to all the Damasia stuff which is why we love it so much even though it's a very common I'm gonna say common trope but a common theme when you think about like Game of Thrones and anything the battle of houses right yeah like uh, if, if we yeah. can make this many references to other pop culture <laughs> stories yeah. it, you know yeah it is a tried and true story yeah but it is a very enjoyable story and it does have its own sets of like flavor and differences in it that is enough to keep people interested i, I know for me it's like i like i cannot wait to start digging deeper into like the mage seeker uh, into the mage seekers as well as the rebellion yeah so, it's like you can get a fun. cheeseburger anywhere but a good cheeseburger is still good 
That's right. That's yeah. right. You know where you want to get your cheeseburger. <laughs> so this takes us to the card, right? Jarvin the card, why is he unique, right? So Jarvin is a six cost, six four with barrier. And when you attack, pay my cost to summon me, challenging the strongest enemy. So this is very confusing when it came out. And then his level up is allies have survived four plus strikes from any enemy blockers. That can occur anywhere in the game. He doesn't have to be in play, right? As long as it happens. Uh, but his ability confused a lot of people because they're like, the wording's off. Like, this isn't correct English. Yeah. It's like, how does this work? And the reason being is that if you have Jarvan in hand and you attack and you have six mana available to summon a follower or a champion, he will automatically summon during battle. So that there is no response to him being played, right? Yeah, so um, when you play when you play a champion or follower, currently it passes priority to your opponent. With this, yeah. they don't get that chance. For for Magic the Gathering players out there, uh, this is the League of or the Legends of Ruterra version of being able to play a creature at flash speed. Um, it, and that's the biggest thing is that you're not giving priority over to play Jarvan if you've got the mana and the attack token. Yep, it's, uh, it's, but it, it was very confusing when it first came out. It's like, what if I have the mana, I can play him? Duh! <laughs> the sky's blue, isn't it? <laughs> no way. <laughs> but no, yeah. So it's a very cool, and once again, it's it's Riot showing their unique take on these pre-existing thing, uh, pre-existing keywords slash abilities that we've seen in many games, because a, a lot of abilities like you know challenging in different forms and flash can feel overpowered, but the way they do it makes it feel more controlled, uh, but still giving some flair, right, for the for the gameplay. Right. So when he flips, the game's pretty much over. He, <laughs> he's a seven five when he flips. Uh, we've talked about previously how difficult it is to flip him in certain decks where he's there, uh, because you do end up trading more than you think in your games. But when he does flip, uh, he has the same ability, but now he has round start, Create a fleeting cataclysm in hand. When I challenge an enemy, give me barrier this round. Oh, buddy. And uh, cataclysm is a three mana slow speed spell. An ally starts a free attack challenging an enemy. Um, So first off, you're getting free cards just for having the flipped character. So that's already just good. All right, like this card advantage is good. Mm -hmm. That's what we want. But the, uh, a lot of people figured this one out really quick. This was not as confusing as Jarvin's wording on his card. Everyone kind of had an idea of what to do with this cataclysm, which was like, oh, wait. So if I put that on a scout unit and then I cataclysm with my <laughs> scout unit. So first off, I get to single, essentially single combat a unit. And then it's a scout attack, so then I get to rally. <laughs> like it's, you can do some dumb stuff once yeah. Jarvin's flipped over. Haven't done it much, but I have done it enough to know that my opponent's not happy when it happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know we get some lore here as well in the quotes, which kind of speaks to what we talked about in the story. Uh, before he flips, we have the Noxons knew where Prince Jarvin's hunt would take him. They knew how many Damasians would be by his side, and they knew that his honor wouldn't permit him to flee. The trap was set. 
Uh, so it wasn't an accident. They were kind of keeping track of things as he was pushing deeper and deeper into their territory. But then he flips and we get. But the Noxians did fail to account for the young prince's sheer strength and uncompromising will. They paid for this mil- miscalculation in blood. Yeah, like, yeah, and you know, we did we did point out that it's like the victory was the dragon, the kill dragon. Yeah. He comes back with Shivana. It's like, yeah, technically he lost to the Noxians. It was not, it it was not a crushing defeat. <laughs> they still fought, <laughs> like they, and Jarvan is scary. And Jarvin's now he's a king. scary dude. And now he's king because you you look at the history of like his grandfather falling to Noxians kind of boosted their morale. You had this lull period between um, the second and the third where, you know, that was more just internal affairs while maintaining the outer border walls. But Jarvan starting off with a strong slate here from a king standpoint. So, you know, once we talk more about Noxus, we'll talk about that influence on the culture um, of both places. Uh but yeah, it is a great story. And it's one of those things like when I look, look at these ones as well, um, you know, we like every story. We're casuals. We love lore, right? Absolutely. But the, this is one of the stories where like if you need to start a Netflix a Netflix series and get that money right, start here. This is a good safe bet. It's a good cheeseburger. And it's not – it's very hard to fuck up. <laughs> you very start with hard. this. Yeah. Like just go ahead, do this. The, it, and it gives you enough to establish the rest of the world because you've, yeah. get, you've got this ongoing war with Noxus. Um, you know, we may not go there, but like that's a place <laughs> that you can go. Uh, and then you also have like Zen Zhao as the advisor. So you have this Ionian presence. And it's like, oh, what's this? What, what are these Ionians about? Yeah. And um, and as far as like with the path that like uh, with the Demacia, its location being just the first nation south of the Freljord mm-hmm. is that you also see traders coming in from like Piltover and Zahn. So it's like, yeah, it, it's a good place to start. Like, you know, just go ahead, have your cheeseburger, and then we can start getting to the specialized dishes once we've got enough people eating cheeseburger. Exactly. <laughs> we caught them with the cheese. The trap is set. The trap is set. <laughs> <laughs> So this takes us to the point in the episode where I have a question and or challenge for Hetch. Uh, and this one is something that I don't I don't know how we haven't talked about yet, but it fits well. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> if you had to be king, so we're assuming that all these regions would have monarchies, which region would you want to be king of? And okay. it's of the ones we currently have, so we'll stay away from like the, the broader lore. Uh, for me, obviously I'll go first. Uh, I, I, obviously you would think Freljord, right? No, no, no. I tend to veer away from anything that's like military focused. <laughs> okay. For good reason. Um, but I would focus, I would like to be a king or like a, a prime minister would be more, I think, acclimated to Piltover and Zahn, right? Because that would be more of a social approach to leadership of trying to control the madness, which is the split between the two. Right. And trying to bring everything up and get some social um, medicine going. <laughs> you know, try to, <laughs> It's all about programs, baby. Grassroots, grassroots. So I think that's what my focus would be just to avoid like the insanity that would be the frail yard because we already have a, a self proclaimed king there and he's a madman. <laughs> We're talking about Trindamir people. <laughs> hey, you say self-proclaimed. He's got the marriage to back it up now. Uh, true, true. He's got the bona fides. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's a false marriage. I'll never recognize it. It's true. <laughs> My queen. <laughs> um, yeah, for for me, for me, like uh, I. I I love Demacia, so you would probably think Demacia, but I also hate like your traditional political intrigues of court, yeah. which Demacia is not free of. It's not as bad as Noxus, <laughs> but it, it's still present. So I would prefer somewhere like the Feral Yard because it's okay. nice. It's nice and simple. I and it's go, nice and cool. You and I know find, how, how much you love the coolness. Look, like I would, I would move us to a tropic island. All right, like <laughs> I would basically be the pirate king of the frail yard, but I'm not trying to do some bilge water like yeah. crap of notoriety and stuff. Yeah. I just want to be warm. But otherwise, <laughs> like if I was a king in frail yard, my goals are simple: find food and kill people like that's it like that's the easiest checklist ever number one shopping list <laughs> yeah yeah so probably for all yours okay that's a good answer um and with that as always thanks for listening and we will be back soon with the next episode yep take care everybody